Yes, have some. It's the Nation of Jake on The Voice, FM 107.9, AM 990, online, The listen live link is in the top right corner if you want to listen live. You can also stream the show. That's right, the video stream from right here in the KWAM studio. Nothing fancy, just a video of my ugly mug bringing you news and commentary for two hours each and every day of the week. Right here on The Voice, you can go watch the YouTube stream on YouTube. Nation of Jake is the channel on the YouTube. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, at Nation of Jake. If there's anything you need, you're going to drop me a line. Who knows? You may wake up one day and I'm not on The Voice anymore, and you might want to get in contact with me. I would encourage you to follow me on the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the old YouTube at Nation of Jake on this Friday, September 6th, year of our Lord at 2019. Sunny, 91 degrees, high of 94. Same for the weekend. It's going to be like this for the foreseeable future. Maybe even a drought. I don't see rain in the extended 10 to 12 day forecast. I've been told that drought-like conditions are upon us, which is good. Because we're not talking about like Sahara Desert drought. We're just talking about nah, not going to rain for a while. So, tons of soccer this weekend lined up for me. I know the Memphis Football Tigers are taking on Southern University at the Liberty Bowl. So, that's something you can do and enjoy the nice, clear, sunny weather. Oh, you got NFL starting up for real. I mean, last night there was a game. But this Sunday, that's when all you nerds will be on your laptops at the bar or on your phones, keeping up with your fantasy football teams. So, yeah, I watched a little NFL last night. I was really disappointed in the old Bears of Chicago. I know that G-Man was disappointed. He's a Chicago Bears fan. As a Memphis fan, I was disappointed because Mitch Trubisky, the the quarterback for the Bears, threw to Anthony Miller one time. Former Memphis Tiger Anthony Miller of the University of Memphis, he got targeted one time in the entire game. If you're a quarterback and Anthony Miller is on your team, that's right, number 17, 17 for the Bears, and you only throw to him one time, you should be fired, sir. And that's right, I don't know if you can fire quarterbacks, but bench him. Bring back Jay Cutler to the old Bears. And here's the thing, I don't care about the Bears. I don't care about the Bears. I've never cared about the Bears outside of Ditka or Jim McMahon, those guys. But now I do care about Anthony Miller, and he's a Bear. So I want him to get some targets. So that was me watching football uh, last night. Uh, On the program today, we've got a bunch of Friday stuff. You know, as you have come to be accustomed to here in the nation of Jake, we got more on this proposed vehicle fee to fund MATA. It was proposed by Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris, but not everybody was brought into the loop. I don't know, people who should be brought into the loop if you're going to charge more for vehicle registration. I don't know, the Shelby County clerk, the one who signs off on all that stuff, Wanda Halbert, she's the one who sends you the sticker renewal. She's like, I don't know anything about this. I don't know where he got his numbers. So I I definitely want to dig in to that a little bit. Uh, Also, U of M President David Rudd is getting a big raise 
almost a $100,000 raise, and this all comes amid calls to pay U of M janitors $15 an hour. So, is there a parallel there? It will not stop people from drawing a parallel there. Should U of M President David Rudd be getting a big raise while the janitors only got a 51-cent raise? We'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll also be joined by Ron Hart, who could probably shed some light on this. I think he's on the board. Board of Regents, State of Tennessee, or U of M, he does a lot with the U of M. You know, I have Ron Hart on every week. He's not only a nationally syndicated columnist, Ron's kind of a big deal. I mean, he won't go tell you he's a big deal, but the guy, he's pretty influential. He's the guy behind the guy. So that's why I like to have Ron Hart. We're going to talk to him today since we missed him yesterday. And we'll do the What the Hell stories and the news crews, all the Friday things that we do on Fridays in the nation of Jake here on The Voice. But our continuing coverage of Hurricane Dorian, uh, we're going to complete this today. I think we're going to wrap up Dorian. It's been around for a while. You know, last week, uh, destroyed the Bahamas. And then we waited and waited, kind of nicked Florida with the tropical storm uh, force winds. Uh, well, today it has made landfall, 8.35 a.m. this morning, over Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. Maybe they say Cape Hatteras. I don't know. Maximum sustained winds near 90 miles per hour. That was a Category 1 storm as it made landfall. Now look, serious storm, a hurricane, you should always be cautious. But Category 1, look, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. And if a Category 1 was coming towards you, you might, you might get up and maybe get inland a few blocks. Here's what we would do. In the summer, usually the late summer, sometimes in July, mostly in August, I spent every summer of my life on the Gulf Coast in a town called Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, in neighboring Waveland, in past Christian, right across the bridge, they're the ones who took the direct hit from Hurricane Katrina. Pretty much wiped off the map back in 05. All right, so right on the water. My grandparents' house, home that was built before the Civil War, antebellum, as they call those. You get on the front porch and you look out, you see water. You walk to the, you walk to the mailbox, you cross a street, you go down a hill, you're on the sand, right on the bay. All right, so there was very little blocking you from the storm surge, maybe a little bit of an embankment. That said, Category 1, we, we usually didn't leave her house. No, well, maybe a bigger storm, we might go to Uncle Bubba's. Yeah, Uncle Bubba, he lived more, more inland. Just a few blocks, though. On Carroll Avenue, we go to Uncle Bubba's house, have ourselves a hurricane party. So, listen, the conditions... In North Carolina, people lost power. There's some flooding. I'm sure it's entirely unpleasant, but a Category 1 hitting North Carolina, we're not going to be talking about this for days and days. This is not a life-threatening storm, especially if you got out of there like you were told. So Category 1 hits North Carolina, and, but let's not forget about the Bahamas. Okay, Now this is the story. The Bahamas, 70% underwater at one point, because Dorian was a Category 5 when it hit the Bahamas. The death toll in the Bahamas is up to 30 and could climb significantly higher 
according to the health minister there in the Bahamas. Anguish and frustration swirled through the Bahamas on Thursday as the government raised the death toll from Hurricane Dorian to 30. And it started at 7. And then it rose to 21. Now it's at 30. And here's why. A lot of people are missing. And the lines of communication are not up and running. In fact, I have a very close family friend, a woman who watched my daughters when they were brand new. My firstborn, my wife and I both work these weird, it's weird schedule. So Kyra, who is Bahamian, she came over to watch our kid. And she was great with our kid. We still keep in contact with Miss Kyra. We go see her. She lives in Atlanta, so we always visit. When we can, we get back to Atlanta. We visit Miss Kyra. Miss Kyra's family, they come back and forth to the Bahamas, to Atlanta. Well, she's got an uncle who was missing. They, they, they haven't heard from him since Saturday when Dorian hit the Bahamas. So we've been talking to Kyra about it. She says still no word from him. But hopefully he's alive somewhere, but they, they're having trouble communicating with, with everybody in the Bahamas right now. I mean, the internet, phones. Everything is down. The place is devastated, destroyed. So the death toll is at 30, and we hope that Kyra's uncle's not one of them. A Bahamian health minister, Dwayne Sands, said the number could climb significantly higher just days after the then Category 5 storm ravaged the archipelago. That's right. The Bahamas archipelago. The victims were from the Abaco and Grand Bahaman Islands. Uh, those hit hardest by the storm with winds up to 185 miles per hour, completely destroying everything in its path. This was the real deal. And so we've got uh, the U.S. Coast Guard is sending in troops. Rhode Island National Guard troops are heading to the Bahamas. So we are providing a lot of support to the Bahamas right now, as we should. I mean, the Bahamas, it's, it's largely it subsists on American tourism. What's an hour and a half flight from most places on the East Coast? If that, very close to us, uh, they are our good friends. Now, not only is the U.S. providing support, but there are nations all around the world, including the United Nations and everything. But now, check this out. This is where it gets interesting. The U.S. is worried that China's Dorian relief effort may be a bid to gain influence and a foothold right off our coast. Hmm. Did you, did you see this coming? Uh, they're saying that U.S. officials are worried China may use the tragedy as a backdoor to get a foothold in the Caribbean nation with the communist country using international aid efforts as a Trojan horse to establish a base of influence just 50 miles from the Florida coast. So you've got China is providing relief efforts, but what are the ulterior motives? I mean, China's way over there. Hey, we want to help with the Bahamas. Well, you, you have to accept the help. But what else has China got in store? They want to establish a presence? Doesn't China have enough going on over there with Hong Kong and whatnot? No, they, they want to get all the way over to the Bahamas and provide these relief efforts. Could it be that they bring, quote-unquote, supplies over, and then they try to get those to the U.S. to avoid the tariffs? The old trade wars. There's something more malicious. We talk about Chinese hackers. We've got current and former U.S. officials, some speaking anonymously to the media, said this week that the Trump administration 
currently is focused on helping Bahamians who are struggling in the immediate aftermath of the storm, which struck the islands as Category 5, as much as $7 billion in damage. But in the months and years ahead, because that's what it's going to take, it's going to take months and years to help rebuild the Bahamas, the U.S. must also pay close attention if China emerges as a key player in the recovery effort. There are certainly concerns about the Chinese having full access to the region. That's according to Fernando Kutz, a former senior director in the Trump administration's National Security Council. You can imagine a situation where they would develop intelligence capabilities, intelligence gathering capabilities. And of course, they could potentially one day have a base, like a naval base or some sort of Chinese military base that close to our shore, it would pose a very significant national security issue for the United States. So that's, that's an interesting turn that most people probably would never think about when you're talking about a relief effort to the Bahamas in wake of Hurricane Dorian. Oh, something else happened in the Bahamas. Sean Connery, the great Sean Connery, 007, Henry Jones Sr., he escaped Hurricane Dorian. He says he's lucky. His Bahamas mansion escaped damage. Sean Connery was in Hurricane Dorian's path. I would love to hear him tell the story. Oh, we were both fine. We got out. We were lucky. We were lucky the storm did not inflict a kind of damage on my mansion. Sean Connery revealed he was lucky to survive after his Bahamas mansion escaped the worst of Hurricane Dorian. That's good that all Sean Connery's going to catch a break. The 225-mile-per-hour megastorm battered the Caribbean island nation for two days, causing widespread devastation. However, Sean Connery's mansion escapes damage. How's that happen? The deadly vortex uh, left apocalyptic scenes in its wake, except for Sean Connery's mansion. Good Lord. Sean Connery, by the way, is 89 years old. He was at his home on the island of New Providence, where he has lived with his wife, Micheline Michelin since the 1990s when Dorian struck. But he was able to get out unscathed. Thank God we don't need Sean Connery dying in Hurricane Dorian. Although, although I would love to hear the story if he would sit down and tell it. There we were in my mansion in the Bahamas. How many hurricanes do you know? Thank God. Uh, Sean Connery is safe. And, and, you know, the relief efforts continue in the Bahamas. And I hope, I just hope, my friend Kyra's uncle's okay. I would hate, to, I would hate for the, that story to take a dark turn. All right, coming up in a little bit, we got the what the hell stories. Uh, but next, this whole proposal to charge people for their third car an extra registration fee uh, to fund MATA. Uh, Mayor Lee Harris of Shelby County, he's not looping everybody in. And people are asking a whole lot more questions about this whole deal. And we'll talk about it next right here in the Nation of Jake. All right, welcome back. Yes, have some. The Nation of Jake on The Voice, FM 107.9, AM 990. We're online, kwanthevoice.com. Streaming live on YouTube. Nation of Jake is the channel on YouTube. That's where you can keep up with me, say, when you're not near a radio. 
Uh, you can sign up for the notifications. Let's say you got your phone in your pocket and you're somewhere like a dentist office waiting for them to drill on your teeth. You can check out the Nation of Jake from your phone and watch it. Man, we're in the future, aren't we? It's like the Jetsons, man. All right. Public transportation is not in the future yet. Uh, You know, I get it. There are places where it works, and it works well. Public transportation in Washington, D.C. is fantastic. New York City, it's fantastic. It keeps cars off the road. I mean, there's still plenty in New York, and that's why in D.C., and that's why people take public transportation, because traffic is always a problem in those places. Chicago, you know, traffic's a problem, so people take the L. Or the metro. And it goes places people want to go. It's a densely populated area and it works. It's tried and true. And it is a, a value for those communities. Uh, it's a little different here. It's a little different places like Memphis. Memphis is more like Atlanta and Los Angeles. Spread out. Big old footprint. You know, not as densely populated as those aforementioned cities. So it's a tougher nut to crack, and I get it. However, the government's position always has been and always will be, throw more money at it. It's underfunded. It's not inefficient. It's underfunded. We just need more money. All right, so Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris, he has decided, look, we're going to raise some more money for MATA. MATA needs more money. We've got this vision for the future of public transportation in the Memphis area. So we are going to raise more money for the Memphis Area Transit Authority, which is a joke of a name, because I don't know what they're the authority on, but it ain't transit. They've not been able to figure out a bus system as long as it's been around. And this all goes back. Memphis got way too big, way too fast through annexation. And yes, the population density does not lend itself to an efficient public transportation system. All right. So, so we, we are where we are. Now, Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris says, oh, listen, I can raise $9, $10 million by charging Shelby County residents a, a sustainability fee of $145 for any cars they have over two. If you got a third car, extra fee. Fourth car, extra fee, and so on and so forth. But this proposal is just that. At this point, it's a proposal. It's out there in the news. You got people like me talking about it, and people are debating on it online. They're probably calling their county commissioners saying, hey, this is great, or hey, this sucks. Most people are saying, hey, this is not good. Uh, And here's why. Because you're going to charge people who don't use the public transportation system in order for you to pour a bunch more money into a public transportation system that you guys have proven you don't know what you're doing. All right, now, it's not just that. And it's not just people like me who think that MATA is an unsustainable mess. And, and more on that in a second. Uh, here we've got, after Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris called for a special fee for people in the county who own three or more cars to fund public transit, one key official says she's been kept out of the loop. That would be Wanda Halbert. Wanda Halbert is a county clerk. She's the one who sends out the vehicle registrations, and she's the one you send your money to. The proposal to provide funding to the Memphis Area Transit Authority claims that only 17% of county residents would be affected. County Clerk Wanda Halpert 
said not only was her office not consulted in the decision-making, she also doesn't know where he got those numbers. We have these discussions. We need those offices and those individuals who are responsible for those duties to be at the table to ensure that the numbers are correct, Halbert said. Right now, we have no idea where the mayor received his numbers from. And that's just it, isn't it, with government? They come up with these numbers and these plans, but nobody vets the numbers. It, it happens on every level of government, from Shelby County up to the federal government. The numbers are, are it's almost like they try to just make them fit. It's arbitrary. Oh, this will only affect 17% of Shelby County residents. Oh, and we can raise 9 or $10 million. And she's like, wait, what? Halbert says, this, I have concerns about this. Uh, the mayor's spokesperson said his office got those numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau. The data shows about 17% of county residents have three or more vehicles. When's the last time they did a census? I mean, we got an upcoming census. They do it every 10 years. Yeah, you're, you're working off U.S. Census Bureau data. That's data that's farther away. It's not Shelby County data. It was taken close to a decade ago. Things have changed. So, yeah, working with 10-year-old numbers for a proposal and not even consulting the county clerk whose job it is to do this stuff. How do you determine what fee, uh, what the fee is, who's going to be affected? Are you going to give out any type of vouchers? Will there be discounts? What about students? Halbert's office handles motor vehicle registrations. She said there's more than 600,000 registered vehicles in the county. She said the proposal took her by surprise. A mayor's spokesperson said Halbert was notified Thursday, one day after the presentation to the county commission. The mayor's office is claiming they sent some inner office memo, but there's nothing in the email, Halbert said. So it's just alarming that communication is critical. Halbert said her office is understaffed and overworked. The lines were stretching down the hall in the office Thursday around noon. Halbert goes on, it's not my business what decisions the mayor makes on behalf of the administration, but again, it's not the mayor's business to run this office. Halbert says she looks forward to discussing the matter with the mayor soon. All right, so that's not a good look for Mayor Harris using 10-year-old U.S. Census data to come to these conclusions in your proposal. Only 17% of people own more than two cars in Shelby County. Well, we know that because we asked them 10 years ago. 10 years ago? You know how much can happen in 10 years? Cars have gotten less expensive. Mata has gotten worse. People have moved all around the county. 10 years is a long time. That's inefficient in and of itself. Using 10-year-old data to come to these numbers that your whole proposal hinges on. That's government for you. Well, use the numbers we have. Why would you use the numbers we have? Well, census numbers, right? Well, from 10 years ago. Yeah. The, the always accurate U.S. census. What do they do? Pay temps to go out and interview people? Good Lord. Uh, the Shelby County Mayor's Public Information Officer, Lauren Lee, released the following statement on Thursday, and this makes no sense. Proper procedure is for a proposal from the mayor's office to be presented first to the Shelby County Commission. That proposal was delivered Wednesday. Thursday morning, I contacted Clerk Halbert to send her the proposal, and she declined. What? 
What do you mean you contacted her to send her the proposal? Just send her the proposal. What, does it cost money to attach a PDF to an email or PowerPoint? I don't know what you're using. Just send her the proposal. Here, you're Lauren Lee. You're in charge of sending a proposal. Do you email somebody and say, oh, with your permission, I'd like to send you this proposal. And Wanda Halbert says, no, thanks. I don't want to see it. What? No. That's like, that's like calling somebody to ask permission if you can call them. I had a buddy do that one time to Dr. Dre. My buddy Chris from Atlanta, Kid Chris, he does a show in Cincinnati now. We worked in Atlanta together. Kid Chris has this fantastic talent for getting people's numbers whose numbers he should not have. So Kid Chris acquired Dr. Dre's number. The Dr. Dre, not the fake Dr. Dre from Yo! MTV Raps. The real Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre from NWA Dr. Dre. All right, Dr. Dre, the chronic Dr. Dre. Dre. Kid Chris calls Dr. Dre, and Dr. Dre says, hey, who said you could call me? And Kid Chris is like, well, well I just called you. He said, who gave you permission to call my house? Did you ask me if you could call my house? And he got real mad, and he hung up the phone. And then Chris and, and Thomas, his producer, asked him, that makes no sense. How do, you, how, do you, how do you get somebody's permission to call them without calling them? I asked the same question to uh, Lauren Lee. So you, you contacted Clerk Halbert to send the proposal, and she declined. What did she say? I'd like to see that email. Lauren Lee, I'd, I'd like to send you a proposal. Hey, what did Halbert say? Get bent. I decline your proposal. Just send the proposal. Send the proposal and then say, look, we sent it to you, and you didn't read it. It's part of your job to read proposals from the mayor's office. But this is all this is all doublespeak, and it's a runaround, and it's stupid, kind of like MATA. And going back to the numbers and the sustainability. All right, look, I, I'm well aware that most public transportation does not make money, and it shouldn't be self-sustaining. But most public transportation, I'm also going to toss out there, doesn't operate at a 45 to 50 million dollar a year loss. You know, the the success stories you see with public transportation are in those places like Chicago and New York and D.C. where people take the metro, take the subway. They they go, they use it. The cars are packed. Just, Just the eye test, all right? Go to New York, go to the subway, plenty of people waiting for those trains. Go to D.C., go to the metro. Plenty of people riding those trains. Go to Chicago. Go to the metro station. Midway, O'Hare, I don't care which airport. You see people on those trains. Hell, even Atlanta, they got something called MARTA. And MARTA is awful. Not as bad as MATA, but nobody rides the MARTA buses. People ride the MARTA trains, you know why? Because it goes to places like the airport. It goes to places like the basketball arena. It goes to the football stadium. Places people actually want to go. So listen, I know that those, those, they don't make money. But the gap is close. I don't know. What do you want to recoup on fares? 75, 80%? You're generating $6 million in fares and you're pouring $50 million into MATA. In year of our Lord 2019, because you're running a bus system like it's 1950. 
Hell, you flooded downtown with a bunch of scooters. We've got Ubers and Lyfts. We've got bike shares. We got people who work from home a lot. You see any Matabus, it's it's not a value. You see Matabuses, they're empty and they're running. And you say, oh, listen, we want people to have public transportation so we don't have to have so many vehicles on the road. Fewer vehicles. Ah, everybody get together and ride a bus, and that'll cut down on the amount of paving we have to do and emissions. Since when does Shelby County give a flip about emissions? When's the last time you had to go get your emissions checked? They quit doing that. They quit doing that a long time ago. Shut it all down. You know why? It was too expensive. Ah, yeah. Clean air is great till it costs too much. So, yeah, I had somebody tweet at me today that, oh, public transportation is not supposed to be a moneymaker or be self-sustainable. What it's supposed to do is provide a communal value. Well, value is doing a lot of heavy lifting in your retort, sir. What's valuable about something that loses 45 grand, oh, sorry, 45 grand, 45 million a year, brings in six? That's a loser is what it is. Hell, if you're going to spend 45 or 50 million and lose the money, make it free. Just make it free. Then maybe more people will ride it and maybe you'll benefit from all these other things that you suggest will happen. Oh, less road paving and, and lower emissions. Yeah, maybe if it's free because people don't see the value in riding it right now. Oh, yeah, we have more stops and more like you need to work with what you have and make it as efficient as possible. Hell, if it were free, you could jack up the ridership and you would increase the value of the advertising on and in the buses and at the bus stops. That's another question I have. How's that work out? Dick Ransom over at Local 24, he goes by Richard Ransom, but I call him Dick. Dick Ransom tells me it's a million dollars, the advertising revenue from Mata. Now, I want to know if they sell it to a third party, I guess Blue Line Advertising or something like that, you, if you want to buy a bus wrap, you go to a third party, and they've got the rights to wrap all these buses and do bus stops all over the country. So do we just farm that out for a million bucks? I think it's got a lot more value than a million bucks, or else Blue Line Advertising wouldn't have given you a million bucks for it because they're marking it up. So, yeah, there's, there's tons that goes into this. Well, I mean, up and down. Number one, I mean, Matt is, is shot. It needs to be just taken out back and, and put out of its misery and rebuilt. And then, and then you can start small. Start small and expand. And there's a whole supply and demand. All right? And, and, and work within your $50 million you already have instead of complaining that you're $30 million under budget. $30 million short. So, yeah, and then, by the way, loop in the county commissioner or loop in the, the Shelby County clerk and don't ask people if you can send them emails. Oh, I, I, with your permission, I'd like to send you a PDF. Just send it. So inefficient. Ridiculous. Oh, she declined. She didn't decline anything. She didn't get it. She didn't get it. All right, coming up, we've got the what the hell stories. Hell, that kind of <laughs> doesn't that qualify as one. No, I contacted her to send her the proposal, but she declined. Just send it already. What the hell? We'll do the what the hell stuff next right here in the Nation of Jake. Welcome back to it. 
Yes, have some. The Nation of Jake on The Voice, FM 107.9 AM 990. Online, kwamthevoice.com. We're on YouTube, streaming, Nation of Jake, one word, run it all together there on YouTube. Also, the podcast, be sure and subscribe to the Nation of Jake podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio and Spotify and Stitcher and Spreaker and whatnot. Uh, this is the time of the week where I collect all the stories that make me say, what the, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? There's a lot of them, too, man. Do you uh, read about this guy with American Airlines? A mechanic for American Airlines was arrested Thursday and accused of trying to sabotage a commercial airliner shortly before it was set to take off from Miami. Abdul Majid Marouf Ahmed Alani. Good Lord. He's got a lot of names. He has been charged with willfully damaging, destroying, disabling, or wrecking an aircraft and attempting to do so according to a criminal complaint filed in federal court. Uh, Alani, Abdul Majid Marouf Ahmed Alani, allegedly tried to damage or disable the aircraft's air data module system, which reports aircraft speed, pitch, and other critical data on July 17th. On Thursday, investigators interviewed Alani, and he admitted that he accessed the ADM, and he inserted a piece of foam into the ADM's inlet where the line connects, and he applied superglue to the foam so as to prevent the foam from coming off. Alani stated his intention was not to cause harm, or aircraft, uh, or to the aircraft or its passengers. Uh, instead, this guy was not trying to sabotage the plane in order to make it crash. He wanted it to be delayed so, so he could get more overtime to work on the plane. That's what he did. Good Lord, because look, I'm just going to be honest with you. When you hear that a guy tried to sabotage a flight, a mechanic, and his name is Abdul Majid Marouf Ahmed Alani. You're like, oh my God, this guy, he tried to sabotage the plane's mechanical systems and, and watch it crash. No, no, no. He was in a labor dispute as an airline mechanic, and he wanted more overtime. He tampered with it so he could, he could make more money. he get that time and a half, that sweet overtime. Good Lord. Uh, now you're getting no time. Uh, now you're done. Uh, you're being you're going to be suspended. You're going to be uh, fired. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, no, no union would stand behind this kind of behavior and protect this guy. What the hell? Oh, also on American Airlines, we've had the first sighting of a miniature horse. Yeah, last week we talked about the miniature horses were now emotional support animals that would be allowed to fly. A passenger on an airplane saw something that made him stop and say. Hey, hey, it's for horses. Uh, Evan Novak said he noticed an unusual traveler while flying on American Airlines from Chicago to Omaha. Apparently, another passenger brought a miniature horse on the plane, likely as a service animal. So he, he posted the photo to Twitter where it went viral. Uh, now, we, this is not a surprise to us in the nation of Jake because we talked about this. That they let emotional support animals of all kinds, including horses. This horse's name was Flirty. And is allowed to be on a plane. 100%. Totally legit. Emotional support animal. Good Lord, I wonder though, if one of these guys took a dump on a plane, that would cause all kinds of problems. Horse poop's not that bad. Horses eat grass and grain and stuff. 
But man, that's that's not it's, it's still not pleasant. Oh, especially if they go number one. Oh man, go like a racehorse. Yeah, that's for a reason. Oh, here we have uh, another horse-related what the hell story. What the hell? A Tennessee man was arrested Tuesday for allegedly riding a horse while drunk. Hamilton County, where's Hamilton County? Chattanooga-ish. The sheriff's office in Hamilton County arrested John Arnold after receiving several reports of an intoxicated person on a horse. The deputy allegedly saw Arnold riding the horse down the middle of a dark road and then falling off the horse. We got to get the Old Town Road going for this, don't we? Good Lord. I wish I had a competent producer. Cue up the Old Town Road. The horse was not hurt and was returned home safely. It was not a mini horse either. It was a full-size horse. And this guy was drunk. Arnold had a criminal history dating back to 1986 in Hamilton County for charges, which included public intoxication, driving under the influence. This guy has got a problem and has for a long time. So I guess he just figured, now how much damage can you inflict riding a horse drunk? I mean, you know, you can only go about uh, 15, 20 miles per hour on a horse. And he what the hell? probably didn't have it in like a full run or gallop. Horses just take my horse down Old Town Road. Have another brew. Oh, and God, these horses, what the hell's the deal? A horse in France takes a bite out of a rival jockey during a stakes race. Huh. Palomba, the racehorse from France, uh, turned her head and bit an opposing jockey, Francois Xavier Bertras's arm. Ah, oh, it was a pretty strange sensation because the filly came alongside and the doctor headed me while in full flight and she got bit me. It was very amazing. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, French horses biting people. A, a Florida man, you know, was taking all the necessary precautions. What the hell? For Hurricane Dorian. So he parked his smart car in his kitchen. That's right. Smart cars are real small. It's funny. It's smart cars. They call them smart cars, but they look real dumb. This guy opened up his French doors. I guess he had to walk out from the kitchen. And he pulled his smart car into his house. Jessica Eldridge said on Facebook that her husband, Patrick, was afraid his car might blow away, so he parked it in the kitchen. Uh, photos accompanying the post showed the car in the kitchen under the ceiling lights with a pair of dogs next to it. Uh, she wrote the other car was in the garage. So, uh, got to get creative. Got to protect what's yours. That's all I got for the what the hell story. What the hell? You know, yesterday, I was talking about the Dave Chappelle special. Dave Chappelle, he's at the top of his game right now. The Netflix Sticks and Stones, I highly recommend it. Everybody's still getting into it. If you haven't gotten around to it, watch it. But there's another comedy special that I think is even better than the Dave Chappelle special. And you'll be very surprised as to who's bringing this to you. I'll share that with you next right here in The Nation of Jake. Welcome back to it. Yes, have some. The Nation of Jake on The Voice, FM 107.9 AM 990. Online, kwamthevoice.com. Streaming live on YouTube, the YouTube channel, Nation of Jake. Also, Facebook, Twitter, at Nation of Jake. In a little bit, we will discuss President David Rudd of the U of M. He's getting a big raise. Now, he's a guy who's been under fire by the janitors at U of M because their raise isn't big enough, and this guy is going to get a raise of close to 100 grand. Uh, we will talk about that coming up. You know, I've been singing the praises of the great Dave Chappelle. 
His Netflix special, Sticks and Stones, has everybody triggered. Uh, Dave Chappelle is one of the few comedians in Year of Our Lord 2019 who can still be a provocateur uh, or so. He's not shocking, but makes you think, you know. He can say things that uh, go up to that line. All right, now, I know that maybe you haven't even caught up on that one yet, but before you do, maybe you want to check out this other one. This one could be better. This is a comedy special released by 2020 presidential candidate Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, you didn't think that Angry Amy was also funny. But man, Angry Amy's got jokes. Uh, here's, a, here's a snippet, because I like snippets. Here's, here's an excerpt of the Amy Klobuchar comedy special to be released on Netflix. The president actually sent out a tweet. He made fun of me for talking about climate change in the middle of a blizzard, and he called me Snow Woman. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. (laughs) So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. so, So this joke that she's been saying, she's been using this everywhere she goes, and she thinks it's hilarious. So much so that this goes on for another minute. So I wrote back, Donald Trump, the science is on my side. And I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Sometimes, if you haven't noticed, you use a little humor. Like when he called me Snow Woman at my announcement in the middle of that thing, I wrote back on Twitter, I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump. So I wrote back, Oh my Donald God. Trump. So I wrote back. I wrote back. I tweeted back. And these are the all. Oh my God. Like these are all different instances of her using the same joke. It was just a sick Twitter burn. And that's the best she's got. Damn, boy. That's what I'm talking about, Jake. <laughs> I've worked in the private sector, they expect results. Welcome to the Nation of Jake on The Voice, KWAM, FM 107.9 and AM 990. All right, welcome back. Yes, have some. Whoa, my God, what happened there? It scared me to death. Oh, an errant press of the button on my soundboard. Good God. That, that legit scared me. The bejesus right out of me here in the nation of Jake on The Voice, FM 107.9, AM 990. Online, kwamthevoice.com. Streaming live on YouTube, the YouTube channel, Nation of Jake. That's one word, Nation of Jake. Run that all together, Nation of Jake on YouTube. Subscribe and tell your friends to do the same. Because who knows? One day, I just might end up on YouTube, just be a YouTube star. And say the hell with all this radio business. And just do the show in my underwear from my office at home. I think that's kind of the key to getting all those YouTube subscribers is being in my underwear. Okay. So the big news of the day, I guess if you follow the national stuff on a Friday, which I usually don't, I just kind of start ignoring things around Friday morning. I wake up, I just start ignoring everything. My family, everybody around me, I ignore phone calls, and I like to ignore the news on Friday, but I did read that I guess the jobs report was a little soft. 130,000 jobs added 
to the economy. However, there's more people in the job market now. More people are out looking. They're confident that they'll get a job. Uh, that said, unemployment is still pretty low. In fact, I read that black unemployment is at the lowest rate ever recorded in the history of man born of woman. So it's the lowest ever right now, which for all those people who say Donald Trump is a white supremacist, he's like the worst racist ever. He really is. He's like an, in, in people who say stuff like, oh, how could, how could black people vote for Donald Trump? Like Deborah Messing from Will and Grace. You know, she's saying, you know, black people are mentally ill if they vote for Donald Trump. Well, if you look at what really matters to people, the tweets don't matter. All the rhetoric doesn't matter. It matters if people are able to get a job and feed their families. I mean, really, that's what matters. That's if the economy's stupid, as Dick Morris once said. So you've got that. You've got a Hurricane Dorian, obviously, is, is trending in the news right now. And uh, the stock market is just kind of doing what it do. You know, you're almost at 27000 So, man, it's been so tumultuous. You know, we're talking about two 10 inversions in trade wars and stuff. Things seem to be rocking right along. I mean, even though Donald Trump continues to embroil himself in self-inflicted stupid controversies like Sharpie Gate, taking the cone of uncertainty from the Dorian map and extending it with a Sharpie. There's some reports now that it was Donald Trump himself who took the Sharpie and then he, he extended it to include Alabama, which it wasn't originally included. He misspoke and he's just trying to, to make the lies true, I guess. But now Donald Trump is selling Sharpies. That's right, markers. He's fundraising by selling Sharpies, just like he fundraises off the plastic straws. It's pretty brilliant. It's pretty amazing. What a time to be alive. All right, in a little bit, uh, Ron Hart's coming up. Uh, Ron Hart is a nationally syndicated columnist. Uh, he's got a column this week on the return of college football. So I want to talk to Ron about that in a little bit. Here's a story that has come up, which there's going to be some parallels drawn to another story, even though they're completely unrelated. All right, I just want to I just want to preface with that. These stories are completely unrelated, but there will be a narrative woven together with these two stories, and they're going to try to uh, blame or accuse U of M and President David Rudd, president of the University of Memphis, of hypocrisy. All right, the story goes like this. University of Memphis president to receive $96,000 raise as workers left waiting. Those are two unrelated statements, by the way. That's like saying, I thought it was a mechanical bull. I still have sugar in my hair. Like, what? What does one have to do with the other? Ah, you can loosely weave them together, I guess. Here we go. University of Memphis trustees are recommending a new salary of more than half a million dollars plus bonuses and benefits for University of uh, Memphis President David Rudd. But some who represent more than 300 campus employees who are not making $15 an hour say they're still waiting on change. Hmm. Trustees this week recommended a raise of more than $96,000 for Rudd after they brought in an outside consulting firm to compare his salary and benefits to other universities, saying his fell below the market median. Now, I don't know the day-to-day of what a college president does, but I will just say, look, just 
halfway paying attention to this stuff. I am not a University of Memphis alum. I'm not involved or affiliated with the University of Memphis. The most involved I get with the U of M is going to football games on Saturday. All right, and just that alone. I want to go to those football games. I like going to those football games. I like the football team. I like our players. I like our coach. That's a lot more than you can say for presidents of yesteryear, isn't it? I mean, when did they bring in uh, our guy Norvell? That was Rudd, right? Fuente. That was was that not Nor was that not a uh, Rudd? Brought in uh, Justin Fuente. The just look at the football program. The football program under President Shirley Raines was garbage, and now people are actually interested in it. Just that, just the football program alone. All right, not to mention, Penny freaking Hardaway is our basketball coach at the U of M. You're talking about development, fundraising. President Rudd has done a pretty good job at the U of M. All right, now look, I have to take their word for it. If you want to compare him to other university presidents, and you're saying he makes less, he makes below the median, and he's doing a good job, he should at least make the median, right? Maybe a little bit more. How much would it cost to replace President David Rudd with a president who is as good as him or has done as good a job as President David Rudd? Again, like I know very little about the role of President Rudd. I just know it seems, with perception being reality, that things are going pretty good over at the old U of M. The university would bump his base salary from more than four hundred twenty-eight grand to $525,000, effective October 1st, saying that under Rudd, there have been record-breaking improvements as well as better student retention and graduation rates. There you have it. I don't know what those numbers are. I'd like to see them, but I'd probably just take these guys' word for it. I mean, I'm almost certain they wouldn't go to somebody and say, hey, you need to pay this guy more here are the numbers, and then have phony false numbers, unless these numbers were taken from, say, a census 10 years ago or something. Eh. Rudd's employment agreement will not only have a higher salary, but also eligibility for performance bonuses, housing, auto, and phone allowances. Uh, The raise comes at a time when there's been a push to increase the salary of the university's lowest wage earners who've been fighting for $15 an hour. All right. See, here's, here's where we get two separate stories just kind of woven together because of this very public spat that President Rudd had with Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris. All right, they said, look, I can, I can easily clear this all up. Let's do the same thing for the 300 workers. Let's go ahead. The campus workers, let's take those janitors who wrote the open letter to the CA Talking about, oh, yeah, this is like slave wages. This is like a plantation, yada, yada, yada. Let's go ahead and just do the same thing. Let's take the wages that the janitors make at the U of M and compare them to the market. Let's do it. They make 11 11 an hour, up from 10.60, a 51-cent raise. Uh, 11 11 an hour for a janitor. If you go to any job board or any job posting, any... Uh, requisition, they call them in the industry. 1111 is top of the market. 1111 is about right for a janitor. So this consulting firm, they did the same thing for university president. That job title 
what kind of salary does that yield on the open market? And they did the analysis and they said, well, your guy at 428,000 is below the median. You need to correct it. Here you have it. He needs 96,000 more dollars and more allowed, whatever it is. He's done a great job. We've got uh, student retention, better graduation rates. You got better facilities for pretty much all the sports. He's gone out and done the fundraising. And I will say this. This is what I know about President David Rudd of the U of M. The guy is always tweeting about Memphis and about the University of Memphis about basketball, about football, about women's soccer, whatever it is. This guy's all in. He's always wearing his U of M tie. I've met him once or twice at the old shop. He came in for some interviews, and he actually talked to me about my career and what I do and, and how the U of M could, could help me. Like he wanted me to enroll to get like a master's degree, and he was like talking me up about it, asking me about me. The guy's got some talent. The guy knows what he's doing. Just look at. Penny Hardaway is the flipping coach of these University of Memphis Tigers. So, yeah, look, uh, they did a comparison. They did an analysis. Do the same analysis for your janitor job. But, see, they'll say the optics is bad. Oh, yeah, the optics. Oh, yeah, because these, these poor janitors are only making 11-11. Well, how about an apples-to-apples comparison? When you compare 11-11 an hour janitor to other janitors in the market, the only ones being paid more are the ones who work for Shelby County. That's right, because Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris made it so. He took your money and decided to pay uh, 30% more to janitors. It, it's not, these are two unrelated things. But, of course, optics. Oh, yeah, it looks bad. It looks bad. He's going to take a raise in these, these janitors. Having, the janitors didn't get a $96,000 raise. Yeah, these guys need to be paid hundred grand a year. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a, a narrative that somebody wants to create, but has not, one has nothing to do with the other. I want to talk, I talk to Ron Hart about this because Ron, he's, he's clued in. He's plugged in. He's probably one of the guys who they're calling and consulting about the job that President Rudd is doing at U of M. He's high up in the ranks, the guy behind the guy. He's also got a new column out on the college football season. And we'll also talk to him about uh, Joe Biden's exploding eyeball. Let's do it. Let's do it next right here in the Nation of Jake. All right, welcome back to it. Yes, have some. The Nation of Jake on The Voice, FM 107.9, AM 990, online, kwamthevoice.com. Streaming live on YouTube, the YouTube channel, very easy to find, Nation of Jake, one word. Run it all together, no spaces. Nation of Jake on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel, and you'll get me all the time. Not only live, stays up there forever. You can watch repeats of The Nation of Jake during the offseason. Now, just watch some more repeats of The Nation of Jake. Always timely in a repeat. Also on Facebook and Twitter, at Nation of Jake, on this Friday, September 6th. Yeah, so we wrapped up week one of the college football season. NFL is getting going. I was kind of bummed on Saturday. I didn't catch up with my man Ron Hart on Saturday when you were in town at the Liberty Bowl. Ron, it's man navigating down there there's so much stuff going on so many people at the liberty ball for memphis and Ole miss dude i mean isn't it amazing that there's this much interest in memphis football compared to say five seven years ago yeah they're just down from georgia tech uh it's georgia tech 
basketball coach about four years ago, and I introduced him to this crowd of people as the uh, the man who single handedly turned the University of Memphis into a football school. And it is, man. Everybody yeah. loves these football tigers. So you were at the Liberty Bowl. I apologize for not getting in touch with you, but man, the reception sucks there. Yeah, it was, it was blasted out in the grove in the uh, in the little tiger. Trail, what they call that thing? Tiger, Tiger Lane, Lane. Tiger Lane. Tiger Lane. Yeah, Tiger man. Lane. Tiger Lane. Very nice. We were over there at the iHeartRadio thing near the council, and it was fun. I saw a lot of old friends, and uh, it was always nice. I'd love to see it. Uh, it's so nice there. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, President David Rudd, uh, he's done a great job with not only the sports programs, but the facilities there at U of M. And he's in the news right now. He's getting a little heat. He's getting a race. And so uh, people are saying, well, he's getting a raise, but the janitors aren't getting a raise. And I'm like, come on, apples to apples here. I mean, the the job of a college president is pretty tough. And to replace him, you would need to pay somebody about half a million dollars a year. And so they looked at it, and it's all in line with you, – you have some insight into what a college president does. That's a big job, Ron. Yeah, if you do it right, I mean, you're raising money, you're at a lot of events, it's a lot of work, you know, and then they're paid well for it. you got to balance that against the cost of higher education and how much has gone up over the years. You know, twice the rate of inflation, a lot has gone to the top, you know, the administration, things like that. But Rudd's a good president. We need to keep him. He's very good. I mean, he's he's, uh, he's solid. He looks like a president out of uh, Central Casting. He's right. a Prince, you know, Prince, Princeton guy. He's He's been around a long time. Brad Martin has, has faith in him and loves him. And, and uh, so... Um, yeah, so basically he's, he's he's good. So I don't you know I don't know yeah. what comps are, but committee sit down and say okay, University of Louisville uh, president makes this, University of Cincinnati president makes that, University of Houston president makes this, and that they kind of pro forma what he should make, and it's their call. Yeah, they they compare it to the market. I mean, just like you do with right. any other job, because right now there's a big debate on the the janitors at the U of M. They want $15 an hour because, as you know, Ron, that's the magical number that's going to make your life better. It will eliminate all your problems. If uh, if, you're, if you're a loser today, tomorrow, you'll be a winner in life if you get $15 an hour. All right, so... Yeah. Uh, but, but, but if you go and look at the going rate for a janitor, I mean, not to demean what they do. That's not it at all, but there's a value on every job. And if you go online, you know, they're looking at 10 bucks an hour, and these folks make uh, 11 11 So it's like right yeah, in line. I would imagine the... Uh, the uh... You know, the, the comps is all that matters. Someone's willing to do a job for 14 or 12 or 13. Yeah. You know, that, there's a problem for them. And the reason I think janitors and blue-collar workers like Trump is Trump's getting rid of that cheap labor that undercut you for 30, 40 years. The people willing to come in there undocumented to do the job for 12 or 11, 10 or whatever. So Trump's got rid of those people, not rid of them, but he's thinned it out, made it harder for them, less on coming across the board theoretically. Or certainly harder just to walk in there and take a $15 job from someone that I work for 12. Yeah, and, and what's the number today? I think uh, black unemployment is at an all-time low, like the lowest number ever recorded, ever. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, any, any job is manual. And they're going away. Robots are going to take a lot of jobs. They're not janitorial jobs because the nature of the job. A lot of uh, manufacturing jobs will be done by robots. So you can't price yourself out of the market. And at the end of the day, you've got to, to have value. And Rudd, Rudd has value. I mean, they, they must be him as having value. He's done a good job at University of Memphis. Like the metrics are there. Yep. Uh, athletically, you know, there's an interesting thing with Bowen. I don't quite understand that, but uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a really weird situation with with Tom Bowen. But I mean, look, under Rudd, you have you, for, first of all, you got Penny Hardaway as your basketball coach. I mean, that yeah. is, I mean, basketball this fall is going to be lit. But this football right. team, you know, you you went in there and you were expect you were favored over Ole Miss. You were there. I was there. Wasn't the most fun game in the world to watch 
but you were favored. You were the favorite over over Ole Miss. I mean, when this is this is a good time for for not just uh, Memphis football, but for college football. Yeah, you're right. It's good. It's good for me. You know, you know, if Memphis decides they want to go that route and become last chance you, and they get some kids in there. I mean, they're competing against Georgia, which is impossible to get into now. Vanderbilt, which is impossible. Tennessee's gotten harder. You know, not probably about the same as Memphis, a little bit harder than Memphis, maybe in general. But they can get kids through that school, and 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 football players like Memphis, a soulful, fun town. Yeah, and they really don't have a rival always poking at them all the time. They're kind of the upstarts, the underdogs. The coach has done a great job. You got to give him credit for what he's done, and then run credit for having him and maintaining him and getting it done. So I think his priorities are right. You look at the trajectory of the university is upward. And I think Rudd. You know, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not, you know, I don't know what the comps are, but he's in the range of comps. You know, the risk is you don't pay him, he goes somewhere else. Right, he exactly. Takes res- he takes his resume to somewhere, you know, University of Kentucky or some rival school, that's, you know, Arkansas or some school that's, you know, he's a Princeton guy and he, he shows well. He's done a good job. He's articulate and he seems to work hard. So I don't see the reason why you shouldn't pay him. Yeah, and when we get into the, uh, the Memphis football discussion, uh, you there at the Liberty Bowl, you seem to be really impressed with our guy, the Swamp Donkey. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I, I wrote in the column this week and said I love Memphis you know, football. When you got a player named the Swamp Donkey from South Louisiana, you, you got something there. So you have good nicknames. Memphis has always been known for the great nicknames in basketball. Oh yeah, we got one coming in right now, Precious. Right? Was it yeah, yeah. That's his name. Yeah, that's his given name. We got we got to get him Boogie. We got to get him Precious. It's going to yeah, be awesome. Precious brother's name names God's gift, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. He played at Rutgers or somewhere up in the Northeast. His brother's name's God's gift. So. Uh, we've always been able to get basketball homes, <laughs> Doom Haynes. We've had some Doom. great names over the years. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, Memphis Ole Miss, y- did you feel bad for Ole Miss at all? Not really. I mean, I, I mean, Freeze, I, I don't like a classically religious guy, Colin Hooker. So I, mean, I don't mind a guy, Charlie Sheen calling hookers or Trump calling hookers because kind of baking them in the brochure. Right. But if you're going to act piously religious and, 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 and lord, lord your morality over other people, they recruit accordingly. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, I just don't, that's not my not my type of guy. I mean, I don't mind a rough and tumble guy. I hey, look, I'm right, a rough so, and tumble guy. I got Ed Bruce Pro, I wouldn't mind him. People like that. But if you're not piously religious and you're doing these things, that that's the big thing. Yeah, so you're, you're going to hold the sins of Hugh Freeze <laughs> against this squad out there for Ole Miss. And I, and I get that. So the across the state, though, you know, Memphis always gets called Tiger High. Or little brother, but right now, you know, Memphis has the best football program in the state if you go by the numbers. Uh, what happened? What happened to UT in Week One of college oh. football? That was amazing. Yeah, oh boy, yeah. It's around the internet, they said that uh, Smokey, uh, their their mascot, put in for the transfer pool. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yep. So yeah, I mean, that's the awful. Georgia State could build quite a program there, they're located right there in Atlanta with academic. You know, uh, standards probably about the same University of Memphis, like some average state school. Uh, you know, that is what their academic numbers are. So you can get kids in there, you can keep them in there, et cetera. But, you know, we don't kid ourselves. Duke sends kids to North Carolina A&T. Uh, UNC gets them through school. I mean, they all get them through school. Vanderbody, you know, Peabody, is at Vanderbilt. They get them through school. So we're, we're kind of competing on a lot of different levels here for kids. But, you know, we're putting guys in pros. I like the idea of before the Memphis game, they showed all the pro football players currently in the NFL oh, yeah. and the University of Memphis. What a great recruiting tool that is. That's always getting last night, the Bears and the Packers locked horns there, in, uh, I believe, in, in Chicago. And Anthony Miller, who's playing for the Bears, he didn't get thrown to one time. 
And you're just like, yeah. oh, you know, and that's just a Memphis chip on your shoulder when you're watching that. You're like, throw to our guy. Throw to him. Yeah. But, uh, well, he was a Christian, bro. He's walking a little bit from Memphis. I think to be in the pros right now, he'd take that right now. Hey, did, did I read this right, Ron? I mean, you're you're in Atlanta, I mean, where you live. Um, University of Tennessee paid Georgia State almost a million dollars for that game? Yeah. Yeah, the joke was uh, even Jesse Smollett couldn't believe they paid a million dollars to get beaten. <laughs> <laughs> then that's that's amazing because we see these these games all the time, these money games. You got a program like UT; they they want somebody to beat up on in front of the home fans, so they pay Georgia State a million dollars to come in, and Georgia State's supposed to lose, but then Georgia yeah, State beats the, them. Oh, embarrassing well, for them. Clooney, you know, Muhammad Ali and all these great boxers would always have one you know boxer that would come in and help them pad, pad their record, or some some beat up Irish guy who would come yeah. in. Pat, that's Georgia. Supposedly Georgia State. I mean, Georgia State needs the money for their program. But I got to tell you, I'm, I'm in Atlanta a lot, and that that Georgia State program is really growing like crazy. It reminds me yep. of MTSU or UCF is on that trajectory. Well, yeah, they play in the old uh, Turner Field. I mean, they got their own they yeah. got their own stadium now, so it's it's definitely growing. All right, Ron Hart's here now. Ron, I think that with with college football coming in and people now the NFL and then basketball, the fall is going to be tough for these 2020 presidential candidates. I mean, just the other night, Ron, I don't know if you watched any of it. They had a seven-hour town hall involving 10 candidates, and it was all about climate change, something that's, that's consistently at the bottom of people's concerns when it comes to how this country is run. Now, yeah. all, these, all these folks, all these presidential candidates are not going to be fighting for airtime from each other and from Trump. They've also got a battle college football and NFL football and then college hoops. It's going to get tougher for all of them. Yeah, you're right. And the Democrats, they love issues that are, A, not real and unsolvable. So they can God. they can wax philosophically about how brilliant they are and virtue signal how great they are about you know, caring about the environment. But, you know, the environment, the uh, climate change story is, is one they love because you can tax people a lot. You get more control of the government. Uh, unsolvable, quite non-existent problem. They're going to act like they're going to solve. Remember acid rain. Remember mm-hmm. uh, all you know. Remember Y two K. Remember they shut down all the nuclear reactors. Dude, I, in, in the in the nineties, in the eighties and nineties, I was told there was a hole in the ozone layer, and that if it if it got above you or your town, that you'd be vaporized. Therefore, you are not allowed to use Aquanet hairspray. You couldn't use right. any chlorofluorocarbons because of the hole in the ozone layer. And I don't know where that hole is. It was. Yeah, that magically resolved itself. That kind no of idea. Now the news doesn't exist. Yeah, and then he had acid rain. Remember that for a long time? Acid rain up in the, up in the sky. That's a terrible thing. Somebody's got to fix that. And all of a sudden it went away with nothing. We didn't do anything. I mean, look, the earth in the, is, is an amazing place. It's a rejuvenating factor. It's phenomenal. Look at Vietnam with Asian Orders. We bombed the heck out of that thing for 10, 15 years. It's beautiful now. And the earth is, is good. We don't do anything stupid. I mean, look, the, the, the biggest misnomer is that rural Southerners or Southerners in general don't care about the environment. We're the ones that hunt, fish, spend time out in the environment. These New Yorkers don't. We don't act pious and, and, and heavy-handed and have some moral outrage at us. We use the environment more than you do. We treat it well. We're Boy Scouts. We camp. We fish. We mountain climb down here. I mean, you know, you know, don't don't even look at us that way. We care about it. We're not, we don't care to grow governments for some false narrative that you're going to fix something that probably doesn't exist or is just cyclical. Well, and the, and the tactic is... You, you you want to give you know the other side no leverage at all because what you're essentially saying is we need to tax your hamburgers we need to take away your cars we need to 
eliminate air travel and do all these things, take away your plastic straws, or else the world's going to end in 12 years. It's like you can't can't bargain with your life. You know, so they're yeah, scaring no. people into believing this stuff, and it's just not true. Yeah, if the ocean's rising, the world's going to end in 12 years. Why is Obama buying an oceanfront place? He doesn't yeah. believe. They don't believe this. They just know it's a, it's a game. It's like Obamacare. It's a game to get more control for government. Let yeah. the free market handle things. Get government out of the way. Don't get, what has the government got their hands on and made better? War on poverty. People still, you know, they spent $22 trillion. You know, get, a, get a job. That's all you got to do. I mean, create an economy that has jobs. You know, it's war on poverty, war on drugs is a, is a joke. Uh, you know, everything they do, they, they don't make better. I mean, all they really need to do is pave the roads, you know, and have police and, and, a, and a military. It's, it's right. Rest, if it's in the yellow pages, we'll find it ourselves. It's like Adam Carolla always says, is I need the government to do the things I can't do. Like, I stop a war from happening, sure, but as far as, like, you know, where I go to college, let me handle that. Like, I can, right. I can it, figure that out. So, yeah, it's it, to me, I watched, you know, clips of it and all these Democrats, all they want to do is ban stuff. They want to ban offshore right. drilling. They want to ban plastic straws. And, and Ron, this all came from a viral video of a turtle who got a straw stuck in his nose. Well, like, think about this, too. Man. Who started the water bottle epidemic? I mean, it wasn't in Memphis, great water. It wasn't in Omaha. It wasn't in Biloxi, Mississippi. It's these Northeast liberals and, the, and right. L.A. liberals that got this bottle of water phenomenon going 15, 20 years ago. And they're shocked that these plastic bottles are in the ocean now? Yeah, we were oh, drinking right out of the tap. We Down here, we drink out of the hose. Out of the garden hose, yeah. no problem. So, yeah, yeah. it's sort of about sustainability. Beautiful, beautiful water in Memphis. It is, I, I tell you, my wife did point out that it is it is discernibly better water there. I got to tell you, you guys have a great water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the water here is amazing. I tell people that. But when we moved back here, Ron, from Atlanta, my wife put one of those Brita water filters on our tap. And I said, what are you doing? Take that off. Memphis. We don't need that here. <laughs> this is Memphis. Got the greatest water exactly. ever. All right, Ron, I'll let you yep. get to it, my man. We will talk Hi, to buddy. you next week. There Sounds you good. go. Ron Hart, nationally syndicated columnist and uh, all-around good guy we like to talk to. here. Uh, Earl's out at the Goat Rodeo in Millington today, by the way. So uh, Earl will be out there with the Earl Farrell for Memphis show. We've still got a little bit to go here in the Nation of Jake. We'll do the news cruise when we get back right here on The Voice. All right, welcome back to it. Yes, have some. It's the Nation of Jake, but you knew that already. It's on The Voice. You should know that as well. The Voice is at FM 107.9 and AM 990. That's both FM and AM. Getting fancy. Depending on where you are, you know, listen to either one or both. Maybe not at the same time. Not sure how that would work. You need multiple radios for that. You can also watch on YouTube. YouTube channel. Very easy to find. YouTube.com. And type in Nation of Jake. No space is one word. Follow along on the old Twitter and the Facebook, Nation of Jake, as well. Uh, this is the time of the program where we slow things down a bit. We calm down, breathe in, breathe out some fresh ocean air on the news cruise. That's right. It's brought to you by our friends at Just Windows Home Services. They're online at JustWindowsMemphis.com. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. The news cruise. Full of exciting news. 
Cruise. Welcome aboard the News Cruise, brought to you by Just Windows Home Services, 751-3934. 751-3934. Why would you call Just Windows? Well, simple. Windows, obviously, they clean windows all types. Upstairs, downstairs, inside and out. They also clean other things in your home, like a ceiling fan or a chandelier. They'll water your hard-to-reach plants because they can get up high so you don't have to. And then also clean the out outside of your house, you know, like your, your roof, your gutters, do some pressure washing. I saw on the Instagram, the Just Windows Memphis Instagram, they cleaned a ping pong table the other day. A real old ping pong table. It was black. There was gunk and gook all over it. And they pressure washed it and now it's green and shining. And all I want to do is go and play some ping pong on that ping pong table. Just Windows Home Services, 751-3934. Online, justwindowsmemphis.com and 20% off if you tell them the nation of Jake sent ya. All right, few stories out there. The big ones locally are that Mayor Lee Harris of Shelby County wants to enact a sustainability fee to fund MATA. He wants to do this if you have more than two cars in Shelby County. An additional fee on the registration of a vehicle. Now, the county clerk's office, they're the ones who handle all the registrations. Wanda Halbert, the county clerk, says, yeah, this proposal, I didn't know anything about it. I don't know where they got the numbers from. He says 17% of people in Shelby County have more than two cars. And I'm not sure that's right. And I'm not sure they can raise the money they say they can. And I'm not sure we can handle the volume of, of those fees. So somebody maybe should have told me. And a mayor's spokesperson said, well, we tried to tell you, but you declined our request to send you the proposal, which makes no sense. So they really don't know what they're doing uh, at the Shelby County Commission these days. And that's evidenced by a lot of stuff, you know, paying 20 times the going rate for podcasting, which they shouldn't be paying for at all. Also paying twice the market for labor. And now this. They just want to spend your money like drunken sailors on, they just want to throw your money away. Seriously, I mean, that's what this government does a lot of the time. They, they essentially rob you of your money because you don't pay taxes, you go to jail. So what if somebody's like robbed you of your money and then burned the money? Wouldn't that make you even more upset than if they just went and spent it? Think about it. Somebody comes up to you with a gun, says, give me your wallet. So you hand over your wallet because you don't want any trouble, mister. And so they take the money out of your wallet and they burn it. You're like, why'd you do that? You just burn the money. Why would you, why would you go to the trouble of robbing me only to burn the money? So that, that's, what, that's what government does with your money. The other thing is President David Rudd of the U of M is apparently underpaid and they're gonna make that right by giving him $96,000 more a year. I mean, they compared the salaries to say the presidents of places like Louisville and Houston and other schools about the size of Memphis. And they said, yeah, this guy's underpaid. He's been doing a great job. If you want to keep him around and pay him the market rate for a college president, he needs to make X amount. So that amount was X plus $96,000. Well, now there are people saying, well, well, the president of the university, if he's going to get a raise, you need to give the janitors $15 an hour, which is like one has nothing to do with the other. So those are a couple of the big stories you'll see locally. The other one, which gets me more excited than either of those, is that 
the world's strongest magnet. The world's strongest magnet in the world, which is redundant, is at St. Jude. It is in Memphis right now. This is the world's strongest superconducting magnet at St. Jude on the campus. It was shipped in from Switzerland. The nuclear magnetic resonance spectrometer, most powerful magnet of its kind in the world, a million times stronger than a magnetic field of Earth. And it is at St. Jude right now. Now, listen, I love magnets. I've been in love with magnets since I was in second grade. We used to get those bar magnets that had the north and south poles, the way they repel, the way they attract. I love magnets. My kids love magnets. They've got magnetic stuff. They've got magnetic putty, which is made with iron filings. And they got like a little horseshoe-looking magnet that you can pull the putty around with. They've got these little neodymium magnets, rare earth magnets. They're super strong, and they're fun to play with. I want to go play with this magnet at St. Jude. I know some guys at St. Jude. I asked them earlier if the magnet is a place where we could do things like get as close to it as you can with a paperclip to see at what point the paperclip gets pulled to the magnet, and will it pull the car keys out of your like just throw stuff at the magnet, put it high up on a crane, and see like I don't know, see if you can hang from your steel-toed boots from the magnet. Oh, magnets! How do they work? Uh, so I'm excited about that possibility of getting near it, or since it's so strong. I mean, will it, if you've got any kind of implant, seriously, man, if you've got like an implant of some sort, metal plate in your head, you get too close to that magnet, it's just going to go clank, just pull you right to it. Oh man, I love magnets. Overton Park is cautioning dog owners against letting their dog in the lake over there, Rainbow Lake in Overton Park has tested positive for the blue-green algae. Oh. No, see, people thought this was the case out of Shelby Farms, that those dogs were dying from the toxic blue-green algae, but it, it wasn't. It was just heat exhaustion. But at Overton Park, you've got the blue-green algae. It's been detected. It could potentially kill your pets if you let them ingest the water. Overton Park said the test showed the algae levels in the lake were in the range considered non-harmful to people but that dogs were more likely to ingest the water. That's right, I don't think people go around to the old lakes and start drinking the water. They should not do it. So just keep them on a leash and don't let them run into the lake or they might die. Oh, see all the development in Memphis? Everybody's excited until it comes to their uh, neighborhood. You know, especially those Cooper Young people, man. All oh, the gentrifiers. The Cooper Young people, well, we only want stuff that we think looks good in our neighborhood. We want it to be original as possible. But now they're saying they're going to develop some apartment buildings in Cooper Young, and some of the neighbors are upset, including my friend Liz. Liz Rincon, which I call her Liz Rincon because that's how her name's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, Liz says it's, it's ugly. Don't just put something up here to make a buck. Please think through before you put, you put it in your neighborhood. Uh, she's a Cooper Young resident. And so a lot of the people, th this, this company is looking for a 15-year pilot payment in lieu of taxes to build some apartments right across from the Soulfish Cafe there at 891 South Cooper. And so look, that's just it, man. The developers come in, they develop what they want to develop, and they're the money men. All right? And so the edge board's going to say uh, yes, no on the, on the pilot. And you know, uh, Liz, you're not going to have any kind of say on what it looks like. It's not your property. All right, Liz. And I love you, Liz. You're a great person. Um, okay, we'll leave it with this one. Uh, the TBI 
has handed out more than $32,000 to reward citizens who helped capture that prison escapee, Curtis Watson. Remember he escaped, and he was in a guy's backyard, and so the guy called the TBI and said, hey, he's in my backyard, come get him, and they got him, and it was like a $57,500 reward for him. Uh, well, they have dispersed uh, a bunch of a bunch of that money out to the tipsters. I only thirty-two thousand. Where's the other twenty grand, twenty-five grand? And why didn't the guy who called? Why didn't he get all the money? So I, that's I don't know. I don't know have the breakdowns of who got what, but I would imagine like the one guy who called you. He's in my backyard right now. Come get him. He should get the lion's share of that reward money. Uh, so there's your news crews. We're gonna come back. And get you set up for the Earl Farrell for Memphis show. I believe that he is at the Goat Rodeo in Millington. I believe that's the Goat Festival. Uh, they do goat yoga, I heard. Uh, we will do that next right here in the Nation of Jake. All right. Yes, have some. Just about 10 minutes away. Less than 10 minutes away. More like eight. Minutes away from the Earl Farrell for Memphis show. Today it's like Earl Farrell for Millington as he is live at the Goat Festival up in Millington. Man, I worked in Millington for years. I used to go to great places to eat in Millington. There was a place called Cattleman Jack's who had the buffalo chicken tenders. I had those three times a week. I was a tank back then, man. I weighed like 180 back then. I was eating at a place called Old Timers. They had some great pies. We would just do a circuit. There was a big circuit around Millington. I worked out there at the big old warehouse. Once you get up on 51, the Ingram Micro Warehouse, those were good days. I mean, the, the commute was was a little bit long, but man, that's when I got my time to listen to music, talk on the phone. It was good. Millington's a good spot. Terry Rowland runs stuff up there in Millington. That's where uh, Earl is today at the Goat Festival. I wonder if they have any. Any emotional support goats up there? You know, we talk about the emotional support animals. I mean, if a mini horse can be an emotional support animal, I would imagine that a goat could be. And I'd rather hang out with a goat than a mini horse. Goats are cool. They got goatees. I guess that's where it comes from, right? Goatee, a goat tee. And they're, they're usually, like, they can, be, they can be real nice. Or goats can be, like, metal, you know? I wonder at the goat festival if they got any goat skin pants. That's what I need to ask Earl about. Uh, Earl is pretty much the GOAT when you think about it. I mean, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. That would be Earl Farrell. So uh, he will report back next week to the studio uh, whether or not there are any emotional support goats at the GOAT Festival in Millington or if there are any goat skin pants, maybe even chaps. Yeah, you know some of those chaps with no butt? Some call them assless, but I would never say that on this show. But yeah, if there's any assless chaps, goat skin. I don't know, do they, do they do they do that anymore? Is that, I don't know, emotional support goat? That'll do, that'll work. Earl's next. I'm back Monday at 1. So long. And thanks for all the goats.